0: It's the Break Chouse, Break the popbreak.com Listen to the show Because you're in for the pop break Shows and movies this is our first podcast of the year the year 2021 it feels like it's been a long time coming I am your host Aaron Sarneki and I am joined as I am always by my brother Josh sarneki hey howdy hey how's it going uh, I was going all right um so uh I I know I just said that we do your favorite movies but uh, you gotta understand this. This is January when we're recording this. Uh, January can be sort of a tough month. Um, usually, January, other than wide releases for awards movies, is pretty dry, and uh, it's where movies go to die. I mean, kind of. You usually have you kind of like your garbage
1: picks. Um, so, when you get all those really cheap, uh, like jump scare, uh, horror movies coming out for the most part. Right.
0: Yeah. All your, like, conjuring spinoffs and stuff like that. I don't know. But, um, so for this, uh, January I decide to pick a movie that's definitely a bit of a deep cut not the deepest of cuts it's still a superhero movie but um it's uh, 2011's The Green Hornet starring Seth Rogen uh, which you may or may not remember I I feel like more people will remember it than Road to El Dorado that seems to be our you know barometer as far as
1: memorability (laughs) that that still has the uh, the honor although I will note that there's an actor um, in Green Hornet that was also in Road to El Dorado. Ooh, okay. A little little tidbit. It was Edward James Olmos? Oh, yeah, yeah, he was. He was. Yes. Yeah. Um, So there's some connective tissue there. Um, Right, yeah. The uh, Six Degrees
0: of Road to El Dorado.
1: Yeah, we're going to rename the podcast that.
0: I mean, I I don't know if Alex... Our, our new podcast editor. I don't know how we feel about that, but I'll, I'll, I'll talk to him. I'll, I'll make it work out. So yeah, uh, 2011's the green Hornet. It's been 10 years. Um, uh, also because this is January. We, I kind of broke the rules a little bit as far as, uh, when we do podcasts. Um, usually though, there have been a few exceptions. We pick movies that Josh and I have both seen. Uh, in this case, I had seen this movie um, before Josh had not.
1: Yes. I, so uh, uh, as far as jo-
0: Josh's experience of what was your prior relationship, you know, thoughts about seeing this movie 10 years ago or whenever you saw it, there were none because he didn't see it until <laughs> like yesterday
1: or today. <laughs> Zero thoughts. I, I I'm only had... um. You know, impressions from the trailers and commercials, uh, which I can barely remember. Right. Yeah. So, um, as far as when
0: I first saw this movie, um, I would, it must have been sometime either late 2011, early 2012. Uh, like a lot of colleges, uh, uh where I went to Rowan University, shout out to all the Jersey people listening to this podcast. <laughs> South Jersey people at least, anyway. <laughs> uh they would have free movies on Wednesday, as I recall. Uh usually movies that were recently out of theaters. Um so one of the movies they had was The Green Hornet. Um that's where I saw it. Um It wasn't, you know, I guess it wasn't a movie that was really, oh, I got to see this movie in theaters because I obviously had not seen it until then. Um, yeah, uh, I, and as far as my feelings about it, I remember thinking it was just okay. I I was pretty like, that was a pretty forgettable movie, (laughs) um, So, Josh, this is the first time you've seen this movie. Uh, yes. What were your impressions before we go into, you know, my second impressions, having
1: watched it, you know, nine, ten years after first? Right, right. Um, so Yeah, so I just watched the movie yesterday um, on Netflix. Is, oh, it's on uh, Netflix? Yeah, where did you watch it? Oh, darn it. I paid for it. <laughs> Ah, uh, you're a mistake. You're a mistake. It's okay. Um, I, I
0: use the gift card, so it doesn't really count.
1: Okay, fair. Um yeah, I I watch it on Netflix. Should've um, checked first. Yeah. I I always do just in case. Um and I will say it's it's a it's a good thing I watched on Netflix and didn't pay any money for it because I hated it. <laughs> I, I absolutely hated this movie. Um, you owe me big time now.
0: <laughs> oh, this is gonna be a fun podcast.
1: Oh, uh, gosh. Um, yeah, I'll I'll get into to what I hated about it, but uh, yeah, l- less than twenty four hours after having watched it, I am uh, still processing my. Uh, my distaste for this movie uh what about you what do you think on your rewatch i think i
0: liked there were elements that i liked a little better um mainly a few of the characters that i liked more this time around um part of it has to do with recognizing like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize this actor was in this movie. I don't remember that, <laughs> or this actor went on to do this, and I'm like, I can't believe they were in this
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, I think I liked it a little more this time, but I was still like the green Hornet I guess and we'll talk about this, not a very notable character now, but pretty significant character in the early days of uh, superhero characters. Um, actually originally a radio drama character, not a comic book character. Um, sort of like the Lone Ranger. Mm. Um, so, but he's sort of fallen by the wayside. So in, in some ways, given his history, he, he kind of deserved a better movie. But um, I, don't know, I guess... Part of me does appreciate they did try to do some different things, like different than most other superhero movies were doing at the time and have done since. Um, it just that doesn't mean they all worked. Most of them
1: didn't. Yeah, um, I, I I've got so many thoughts. Um, uh, but uh, real quick, could you uh, sum up the plot for us? Yes, I, I can definitely do that. Um, so the film follows Britt Reed, who is played by Seth Rogen, um, who is a um, kind of a wealthy playboy son of the publisher of the Los Angeles Daily Sentinel newspaper. Um, and his father suddenly dies, and so Britt um, then. Um, inherits the newspaper, and he kind of stumbles upon the fact that um, one of the employees at his father's estate, Cato, played by Jay Chow, um, is really good at um, making coffee, but also um, fantastic with um, cars um, and really uh, making amazing features on them. And they kind of bumble their way into uh, vigilantism and decide that they are going to uh, fight crime by posing as criminals so that they can kind of infiltrate the criminal underworld, um, which makes it sound a lot smarter than it actually is. Um, And so they are then um, on their way of trying to fight crime while posing as criminals And then they cross paths with um, Benjamin Chudnovsky, played by um, Christoph Waltz, who is the um, kind of the leader of all the different crime factions in Los Angeles. And so then it goes with uh, Britt, who becomes Green Hornet, and Cato and their um, efforts to bring down Chudnovsky or vice versa. It's the, the intentionality of their plans is always a little suspect. Um, but I, I think that's more or less the plot. Right,
0: yeah. I mean, there are a few other characters which we'll get into, but um, that is essentially the plot. Um, so... Uh, one thing that... Like really, when i when I watch this movie and the think that I mean, like most movies are formulaic, and they sort of like have to use their charm to like kind of you know, like there's the you know the three act structure that most movies follow because that's what you know people are you know respond to and stuff like that and you know time tested. But this is one of those movies I felt like with the plot, like as far as he becomes a hero. Uh, the plot twists, is, you know, as far as like who he learns are good guys, who is bad guys, his, his relationship with Kato. It all felt just like I've seen this in other movies before and it wasn't, I don't know. It just, it was, I didn't find the plot to be particularly interesting.
1: Mm. What do you think about the, the plot?
0: Yeah. Just like, I was like, oh well, of course he's going to find out what happened. You know what happened to his dad, and you know, you know, there's going to be, you know, some, you know, some, you know, uh, bad, something bad's going to happen in the second act and stuff like that.
1: Oh well, yeah. In, in terms of the the plot, um, I, I think that part is maybe the the least offensive part of this movie for me like it's it's boring um and it's it's you know kind of like you say, kind of just moves along like okay you know obviously you i know. mean it's, it's,
0: it's sort of just kind of like a checklist of oh well like like here's the story beat that you have to have in a superhero movie here's the next one here's the next one right like it, 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 like, as, like so many like good superhero movies do that but it doesn't really have the charm to be like for you to be like okay well i've seen that before but this movie is really
1: entertaining right it, it doesn't get that pass for for being entertaining um and yeah it, you like checking off the boxes the the example of you know his dad dying at the beginning like as soon as you hear that his dad died from a bee sting he's like okay i've seen superhero movies i know that's not really what happened right like, I know we're going to get into a bigger detail and like, oh, like. There's something going on with, you know, all this crime, but then it's not being reported. OK, there's some sort of cover up thing going on here. Like, a lot like of that oh, was kinda, oh there's
0: this character who's super overly nice to him. He obviously has to be doing something bad. Right. You, you can't just have nice people
1: in movies. They always have an ulterior motive. <laughs> Yeah, which is sad because I like nice uh, David Harbor. I, I I want to see him be nice to people, but instead he just turns into a jerk. To be fair, there's a lot of jerks in the He's movie. He's just like book.
0: no egos for you, Britt Reid.
1: <laughs> that was in the deleted scene. Um, yeah, but in terms of the plot, that's probably the part of the movie that I have the least problem with. Like it's like I said, it's it's kind of boring and kind of just step by step um i will say that that i I know
0: we're i mean we don't have to go in any particular order because we're going to get into the characters but the uh i don't my least the second act i know like probably like a lot of screenwriters are like second act is always my favorite part because you really get into the heart and meat of the movie and it's like what makes this character drives them for me as is usual, like i always hate the parts in movies where like But, like, again, like, I realize you have to have them otherwise it'd be like, oh, the character's winning all the time. Or it's just kind of like the plot kind of happens and there's no ebb and flow. But just like, oh, you know, the character gives up and they start back at where they were at the beginning of the movie. Like, oh, you know, what I did wasn't working. I'm going to move back home or the friends fight and they have a falling out and now they're not together. Like I usually I hate those things. I know <laughs> like that's how movies work. Um I usually like movies that are a little more subtle about it like this really bad thing happened but we're still going to trudge on but we have to deal with the trauma of what just happened.
1: Mm.
0: In this movie the, the big thing being Cato and Brit fighting. Yes. Though I will say I do enjoy their fight scene. Their fight scene
1: is probably. I, th- I was getting Spider-Man three flashbacks. <laughs> their fight scene is probably one of the parts that I was more. Um, and, and we'll get into the,
0: the the comedy and the action in a little bit.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I probably enjoyed that part more than most of the other things. Although there were still some some problems I had with that part as well. But but but
0: there are there are definitely some really sloppy bits as in far as the uh, uh, the script which uh, Seth, who does Seth Rogan co-write this with
1: he co-wrote it with Evan Goldberg um, who is often one of his collaborators okay yeah um,
0: like particularly the the scene where he all when he pieces the mystery together was really sloppy <laughs> Especially for somebody... Well, I guess... I don't know... Well, Seth Rogen is definitely like an accomplished screenwriter now. I don't know if this was probably one of his second or third you know, movie scripts. But it doesn't seem like something that somebody... Like he would probably have written now. Now that he is more of an accomplished screenwriter. It's just like... We're going to have this character piece everything together and imply that he's just been staring... Into the void for five
1: minutes. This was like his fifth or sixth movie. Oh, really, okay. but
0: yeah. um, maybe this was like his first superhero movie, so I don't know. That does look true. Okay, I don't know. I just that strike me as so. not.
1: Um can I just like rip into this movie now? I feel like I just need I, to I mean like... I
0: I'm guessing it's gonna start with
1: the character of Brit. Yes, I mean it. It definitely starts with him. He is obnoxious. <laughs> I abhor Seth Rogen's character, in Brit. He is childish. He is so so incompetent. Like he he fails upward. Like he, everything is handed to him. He is a jerk to everyone. He's like sexist and misogynistic at every turn uh he's racist and he treats kato terribly even though kato calls him his brother as soon as kato says that like brit immediately starts putting him down and starts <laughs> like like just totally so like well you you know he may view you as a brother but you view him as just like your butler and like it's it's like if you had bruce wayne slash batman but he was a racist sexist idiot who couldn't do anything and he relied completely on alfred slash robin to do all of the work for them so it's Um, sort of like
0: the character that like if okay maybe not to the same degree because there's there's no you know at least that i can tell there's no inkling of racism in christian bale's bruce wayne but he's sort of like the idiot that he put the the idiot persona that bruce wayne puts on in the dark knight trilogy if he if that was really
1: him to a degree but he but that's my my next except he's like, kind of even
0: then he's kind of charming and like the jokes he'll make fun of
1: like harvey dent there's, yes. there's none of that in this right and that's what i think is even more damning about his character is that he's not putting on an act on any point that is who he is he really is that stupid and that ignorant yeah you have like there are so many um superhero characters that either feign uh like a a persona or just have a, an alter ego that can be obnoxious um but yeah bruce wayne often plays as you know kind of bumbling or um you know it's like a out-of-touch playboy but he has a charming quality to him um you mentioned that this came out um a few years after iron man you know obviously tony stark starts as like a like an obnoxious like egotistical brat but even then he's still clearly super intelligent and still also very charming and you can see why people gravitate towards him even though he's Oh yeah, that,
0: that bit even in, like in the, uh, in the Humvee in the first movie where he's like, he has so many quick quips and it's like no gang signs and stuff like that.
1: Yeah. Like you, you, even though you can see that like, oh man, he is like so irritating. He's also lovable in how quick witted and kind of, uh, that there's just something about him that you'd like, even at the same time you want to punch him in the face. <laughs> For for Brit Reed as Seth Rogan, or Seth Rogan as Britt Reed, there there was no redeeming qualities. There was nothing that made me hold back. It's like, no, I just want to punch him in the face. This guy is terrible. He is uh, because he and he only gets into crime fighting just as just for the thrill of it. And he almost like it's not to like the very end that he has some sort of uh, realization of like what he should be really doing with You know this this role, but it's all just thrills. And he always takes all of the credit. And then he uses his newspaper to just really blow up his ego and, and make everyone see what's going on for his the sake of getting crime to get like out of control. It's just just the way he is so stupid yet a jerk. Yet manipulating the media, yet thinks he's awesome. It made me feel like, wow, this is what would happen if Donald Trump was a superhero.
0: Oh God, he's not. I don't want to say. Okay, uh, he has. I don't want to say he has a lot of heart, but he has more heart than that. Uh, Brit Reid has uh, but, uh, a little bit. A, a, little, a little bit because they show at the beginning that he he does at least, and maybe the movie didn't get you know, a good, you know, wasn't good at showing it. But the idea is that he genuinely cares for people because, you know, he's, you know, he essentially had the same. And I think I saw when I was, when I saw this was my friends, he essentially has the same scene from Jack from lost where he tries to like stand up for somebody in at school and gets beat up for protecting them. Mm and then their dad t- basically tells them that they don't have what it takes
1: right and and i feel like that that is meant to, to lay the groundwork to like oh look he like he has a good heart but his his father really trampled on him and because of that he he really lost touch with that part of himself but the my problem is that you you never really get that side of him again He's that and, and he mentions that story again to Cato when they're when they're first getting to know each other. Um and like it's supposed to represent like a, a sense of like heroism and like sticking up for people and um maybe even like I don't know, like chivalry or something. But he, then he like after that he doesn't show that quality ever. Like going to like how like misogynistic and sexy is like there's the point when um, Cameron Juice's character, Lenore Case, like finally like tells him off for like, um, sexually harassing her this whole time. And, and she says, you know, I am going to, I'm going to sue you for sexual harassment if you look at my butt again. And then as soon as she turns around, he does it. And he like has a smirk on his face. Like, no, you are just a terrible human being. And I want the bad guys to win in this because I hate you.
0: Right, yeah. Or, like, when he thinks in his, you know, warped world that he thinks, oh, this is the part we're supposed to kiss.
1: Right. Like, he's just so self-obsessed and self-absorbed. Yeah. And
0: And and I'm going to, there were definitely things like this. I'm like, Josh is not going to like this. Uh, So I knew that watching this. Um, I will say that as far as when we go into the casting of. Uh, and we go with the casting of Seth Rogen as the green Hornet, the titular character. I mean, I remember when they first announced it on like ET or, you know, access Holly, whatever it was like, Seth Rogen's going to be a superhero mm-hmm. because he's so like, you know, he's known for being, you know, a comedic actor. He's not particularly in shape. Uh, so they're like, oh, and um, so in some aspects, it's sort of like well, I mean, it does look like he he slimmed up a little bit for this movie. So like in one aspect, it's sort of like oh, cause, so this will be like a superhero who's not super jacked like uh, like um, Chris Hemsworth. Right. Who Or so he sort of like he took the route of like, uh, his pal, uh, he didn't take the route of his pal, uh, um, Paul Rudd, who was like, again, they're like, Paul Rudd's going to be, uh, a superhero when he played Ant-Man, but he actually, like, really, like, buffed up for that role.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So he he's just like, no, I'm going to slim down, but, you know, I'm I'm still going to be me. Uh, and it could have been. They, the sort of like they could have taken two approaches to that where they've been like, no, it's like Seth Rogen, he doesn't look like your average superhero. He's a comedic actor, but we're gonna make this work. And the other route which the movie takes is, we're gonna make him a joke.
1: Right, like look at this idiot. He has no right to be crime fighting.
0: Which is, I can only imagine being a fan. I want to say like. I don't want to say it's clever; it's different, and I give the movie at least credit for being like, okay, this movie has enough self-awareness that they're like, Seth Rogen as a superhero is a weird idea. Um, but right. I can also see like, if you're a fan, let's say you watch the Green Hornet show in the sixties, uh, mm. and then you're like, oh, finally, gonna have a Green Hornet movie. I can imagine you being really disappointed that they didn't try to make it more of a you know true to uh the source material.
1: Right. Yeah, I, I think there's something and, and then in this case, mm-hmm. um
0: they're like, okay, so the Green Hornet is not all that, but Cato, Cato is awesome.
1: Yes. Yeah, and and that's uh, it, it it's so weird because I, I think there's a way to um, to kind of to make a joke about how, oh, look, this guy's not really supposed to be a superhero. Um, and is his partner's really the the one, you know, who's who's capable and who's got all of the, the talent? But it never stuck that. And I think partially because the it, it focuses so heavily on Seth Rogen, Britt Reed and B's Britt Reed Treats it like he is the hero the whole time, like he never has a moment of, ah yes, Cato, you are the, and this the, this is one of the wall.
0: rare instances where you can't just be like, oh, we can't blame the actor, it, you know, it's the script.
1: The actor wrote the script. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I he didn't I direct it, but he wrote it, co-wrote it, right. And I, I think there is something, there, there there can be something really funny about a bumbling superhero. With a incredibly competent, skilled partner or sidekick, and it's like, oh look, he doesn't realize that his his partner is the one who's doing all the hard work. But for me, well, I mean, that's it what was they, never funny. It was, yeah. Well, that's what oh, they, I was they did
0: for with, me. It was. Go ahead. Oh, well, that's what they did with like uh, Inspector Gadget, right? It was all uh, Brain the dog who d- always solved the cases. Inspector Gadget had all the uh, tools, but it was always Penny and the dog who figured out the mystery
1: right right and and that's not what happens here because e- even though it's it's presented that way it it's never it never feels like um like the film takes brit reed to task for that like it never breaks it down shows just like look like Cato does not need you and that's that's what i really wanted because I think Kato is a much more interesting character. He's definitely a much more likable character. Oh yeah. And
0: yeah. Uh, can we talk about, you said Jay Chow, that's the character or the actor? That's the actor.
1: Yeah. Oh, I really
0: like his performance as Kato. I think he's immediately likable. You know, he has all the skills. Uh, I think there's just something really uh, engaging about his performance. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, one of the, so you, I, I'm curious what you, you said that uh, Brit uh, is r- racist. So what w- was part of that because he mistook Shanghai for Japan? That's Because I mean, a, that's... apparently, if you're really looking at that joke, apparently the reason for that joke, it's a little bit of a meta humor, actually, because when the radio show started kato mm. was from japan and then uh. world war ii broke out and it decided that they would rewrite him so he would be from china uh, okay um and then later you have bruce lee who played him in the uh the tv show who's chinese mm. uh and that's why when you, he's looking at all his like uh sketches uh, he mm-hmm. has a he has a sketch of Bruce Lee, which was like an homage to Bruce Lee playing Cato in the show.
1: Got it. OK, I, I so that's it's, it's a bit that.
0: of meta humor. It's supposed to be funny, but I can understand if you.
1: Yeah, I mean, that was one. But more, even Cato
0: think... has a little bit of like. A dirty side because he was drawing pictures of Lenore.
1: Right. And yeah. Cato definitely is is not like a, a, a flawless character, but he's he's. He has a, a heart to him, and he has this this really interesting history that they hint at several times, but don't go into. And he's got this incredibly wide skill set, and like at, at the end, you have Britt apologize to Cato, but I I wanted something more than that. And I I think the other thing is just that Cato is just so undervalued within everything because the the whole story about how he works or comes to work with Brit is that Brit's dad um, hired Kato as a mechanic um, just cause he happened upon him when one of his cars broke down and you, <laughs> and then he, all he does is he has Kato work in his garage and make his coffee. And it's like, this guy is like a mechanical genius. He is like the greatest martial artist in the world and he is bilingual. Right. Yeah. Uh, he he could least. be like, like Elon Musk with like, like, I don't know. In like fighting tournaments and stuff like that. Yeah. Like he could, he could do anything. Like he could be a spy. He could like have his own um, company. Like he I could guess do I, I, well, you anything. think that's
0: part of the point is like, I don't know. And if they, if they try to do this, they don't do, a good job of it that like cato undervalues himself and he doesn't realize how great he is
1: uh if they do i don't it wasn't apparent for me like like i right is that seriously
0: is like and, and i think part of that was like he's writing his resume and he doesn't somehow doesn't seem to know what to put even though he's like qualified to like build a space shuttle
1: Right. And that's one of the things that's so frustrating about the movie. And I don't think the movie knows it because it does the same thing with, uh, Lenore, uh, Cameron Jesus character is that you have Cato who is like an incredibly skilled, um, talented person with all of these different backgrounds. And then you have Lenore who is incredibly smart. She has a really, um, good knowledge of history, psychology, of journalism. She's very, you know, well versed. Right, in, and she's just a secretary. And, and yeah, and she's and she gets she, she, a job she's a, she's as a a temporary secretary.
0: Right, she should essentially be that that paper's Lois Lane.
1: Exactly, she should be their star reporter, or she could do millions of other things. But instead, she just lines up this job as a temporary secretary. So you have Cato, who was essentially. I, you know, now just, I think
0: about, I'm, I'm I'm surprised that like they weren't like oh, we could have it so like she works her, or is like, I'm tired of Britt Reid. I'm going to
1: work for the DA. And then she finds out he's a bad person or something like that. That would have been better. Like that would have given her more agency because she doesn't really have much agency. She just kind of puts up with uh, Britt's crap until she gets fired by him. But both Lenore and Cato are just relegated or to these, these positions where they are so much more talented and uh, have so many more skills than they than uh-huh. they need for those roles, but they don't have any opportunities to go up. Whereas Britt Reed has no qualification whatsoever to be a superhero, to run a newspaper, to do anything, and he falls into the job because his dad dies. Uh-huh. And just like, wow, you have this rich white guy and, who just like gets yeah. everything. And, Brit, and then basically, you have the woman and Cato just like, uh, you have Lenore and Cato just like, basically just doing their best to make ends meet, even though they're the ones who actually know what they're doing. And, uh, and Brit is too
0: jealous to let Cato and Lenore be together. Right. And which I was kind of sad to see that they didn't do more with that. Cause it'd been like, Oh, we'll have Cato
1: be with her. Yeah. Oh, I also think this film like totally misuses Cameron Diaz because she really is only there to like, I I'm, they, they they use her as a love interest to degree but then it's like no we're actually not going to do that like that's not how this is going to work like she she recognizes that these guys are idiots um, but well, she Brent's also an idiot. <laughs> Well, an idiot, yeah but she also like doesn't she she's really just used to to give them information like uh-huh. that that's her role is to help them figure out what they're going to do Um, like, and they mentioned like, like you're the, the brains of this operation. Um, I will admit that is kind of like that part is
0: a little funny that like the find out that you've been, you've been secretly been helping these people who have been breaking the law this whole time. is like, we just did everything that you said we should do.
1: (laughs) Right. And I, I guess what was frustrating about that is because it shows how smart she is. I wanted her to figure that out. And then by the time. That they come to her for help, like after everything they've put her through, I wanted her to just report them to police. Like when the when the, the police oh, officer are, comes to their door, yeah. I wanted her just like oh like they? they're right here, officer, like arrest right.
0: them. Speaking of the police, uh, so one of the things that you mentioned, and apparently this has some basis in the uh, concept for the Green Hornet, they decide that they're going to pretend to be criminals. So like essentially protect the public because if they were found that they were good guys, apparently they said like it'd be open season on all the, the good people. How does that, how does that concept strike you and how do you think the execution is in this movie?
1: I think it's a, I think it's an interesting idea and I think it could work, but I don't think.
0: I feel like though, if they were cr- criminals and they were like supposedly taking over turf, then the criminals would be like, "Well, why aren't they putting out any product?"
1: Right. Like the, the movie doesn't. Do and I will say the, with that?
0: this movie is sort of interesting because, um, so Seth Rogen is known for having a lot of drug-related humor in his movies, particularly weed. I don't think there's like. If there's a if there's a pot joke in this movie, it must be very subtle because I don't I can't remember one. But it is sort of interesting because like I remember seeing the trailer for one of his uh, uh, movies, like The Night Before, where he gets high on shrooms or whatever. As like, so it's sort of like the antithesis of like here's all his like usual lackadaisical characters who get you know wasted and high, and then you have. Brit Reed, who's actually like shutting down like uh meth labs and stuff like that. It sort of like flips sort of Seth Rogan's, you know, fun with drugs tropes on its head a little bit.
1: Kind of. I mean he's still like It like the first time we see him is you know he's he's partying. Yeah. And then the first time that he and Cato actually do some crime fighting um like both of them had already been like drinking and so right, it's like okay right. but that's just chipped. drinking so, as far as
0: i know he doesn't he doesn't grab a bong or so, something you would expect from a seth rogan movie uh
1: yeah I, I suppose that's true um yeah i just I i don't think they did enough with that posing as criminals concept because I will say, I, mean, I, th- I think they're essentially just fighting crime. Like right, there's never yeah. any facade. I, I think there was.
0: I, I will give this movie credit in the sheer number. Uh, this movie go gets absolutely crazy in like the last what, like twenty five minutes, as far as like the car chase mm. and them like going through the the uh the newspaper Mm. uh factory they're just destroying everything and i'm a big big appreciator of like in camera on you know on set destruction but i have to say are you telling me nobody died like no no civilians died nobody working for the paper died when they're like blowing up missiles and shooting machine guns everywhere
1: yeah and that was another thing like okay you you say you're just posted criminals but you have definitely killed like civilians and police officers when they were trying to arrest you like you you've actually committed right many well crimes.
0: like <laughs> yeah i mean they sort of well i'll pose this question is it any worse when we did batman begins when like he the police are chasing him i mean they show that apparently he didn't kill anybody cause, and they sort of like, like, Oh, well, if we have Alfred say he didn't kill anybody. Then it's okay.
1: Um, it's, it's, this is somewhat worse. Um, just because one, they, yes, they don't like have that throwaway line. Um, but I feel like this puts people in more like definitely lethal situations. Um, like you have like Batman and Batman begins like driving over cars and like you see like the police officer kind of like still in their in their vehicle uh, just kind of ducking down in this like you have like one of the bad guys trucks like swerve into the other lane and run right into a a tractor trailer it's like okay the person who was driving that that Dr. trailer is probably dead. There's right. probably a well, huge backup after that. We,
0: we know for sure they kill some of the bad guys. Oh, yeah. They, they definitely have no qualms with no, killing people or killing yeah.
1: Uh, criminals. Yeah, this, this is not Spider-Man or, or Batman. I mean,
0: so much that like at the... They're like, we... I forgot, forgot the press, pl- uh, you know, record on this recording. We're just going <laughs> to... Straight up murder the DA. <laughs> yeah, we're just gonna drive our car off the building
1: and kill him. Yes, just just gonna kill David Harbor um, yeah. with half a car. With half a car. <laughs> which, and I think to, to to get to your point about the the action that that last um, big action set piece of the car chase, and then once they get to the newspaper. Um, is it's entertaining. It, it is entertaining. My problem with it is that I feel like the stakes were fairly low for two reasons. One, because the car, like it, it had such plot armor and like, it seemed so indestructible. Armor. Yeah. Like it, it, it seemed so indestructible until it wasn't. And so I was like, well, like it doesn't matter how many times they get shot at. Like, that car is, you know, impenetrable. Like nothing's going to hurt it until something does. Um, and the second thing was, I mean,
0: it, they somehow made it out when they blew up all the missiles when they were trapped underground. Right.
1: Um, but the other thing was, why did they have to go specifically to that one computer in Brit's office at the newspaper to upload the file? Like they have a, a fax machine in the car. They oh, would point. probably gone to any computer anywhere. I mean, and this is and-
0: this is 2010, 2011. Um, I mean, I guess most you don't have a USB drive on your phone,
1: but I don't know. Yeah, like there's no need for that, and also just it seems so like neat, like neatestly destructive. Uh huh. Like and and I I don't know if that was just for like the humor of it all, to like, wow, look at these guys. They're totally they're they're driving through a building, um, just to, to get to a computer. Right. Um it, it just was, it
0: was sort of like Terminator three level of destruction where like remember when like Arnold's on like the crane going through the whole building, they just completely demolished it. Yeah. But that it scene just, was actually good. This one I mean, and we could debate. We, we listen to our Terminator Three podcast.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a while old now.
0: Yeah, um, that would have been the last movie we did that um, only one of us had seen it prior. Um, but anyway, um, yeah. So I will say, so there is some good like practical effects going, but a lot of the rest of the action kind of falls into comedy and like video gameiness. They're like, we wanna show how awesome Kato is. So apparently he we're gonna give him superpowers without giving him superpowers where he can like I don't know, he essentially detects like like all the like threats in a room and then just like spins around and we're gonna have this really fake cgi f- fight scenes where he like kicks people in the air
1: and stuff like that it sounds like you did not you did not appreciate that
0: uh i felt like it was i thought it was interesting the first time but it was like i think they were like when they're directing movies like if we do action like this it's really stylized people will think it's cool and when i don't think and i think with shows and movies like daredevil and john wick where people just be like no just show the people doing like the actual fighting you know with you know you know wide frame with few cuts that is more impressive
1: yeah and i i would have to agree with that but i will say that was one thing i thought was at least somewhat more inventive with this of having that more video game aspect of keying in onto the, the, the weapons that were yeah. um, being used. I, I thought that was at least visually interesting. And same with when Kato first ran over the, uh, the, the trunk of the car, having it like extend out. Um, and I'm glad they didn't do it just once. Cause that's one of my pet peeves in, in oh, movies. I would have said maybe issues. they should have
0: just done it once. and then like actually have him doing the stunt work like in the other times
1: maybe but that's that's my pet peeve when you introduce some um some concept, like some visual concept or way that a character interacts with the world once and then you never do it again sort of like in uh season one of the flash when like you have barry allen being able to like measure distances and like be able to kind of like visually see things kind of like in a uh, like a Sherlock way in, in Sherlock, um, the BBC show. It kind of reminded me of Sherlock,
0: the, uh, Sherlock Holmes, the, uh, not the BBC show, the Robert Downey Jr. Movie.
1: A little bit. Yeah, I can see that. I feel like that was,
0: I guess that was just all the rage at the time. Was like somebody who can like see so many steps ahead.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and then they sort of, you know, they do a, sort of joke version with Brit at the end where he starts doing it and then he falls over. Right. And I mean, that's just kind of, I mean, even, even some of the rest of the action is a little like. Hyper realistic. Or maybe hyper realistic. Not, not so super. Like you have Kato, like kicking people like through windows, like from like six feet in the air mm. stuff like that um
1: yeah i mean i feel like the they weight.
0: could have done a little more as far as the actual physical comedy like when brit and kato are fighting and brit tries to grab the weight and hit it with it and he can't <laughs> lift it
1: that was funny and i wonder i wish they had done more things like that
0: yeah um we actually they're there's one major character we have not mentioned somehow yet. Uh, Chudnovsky, who later goes by Bloodnovsky, who's played by Christoph Waltz. Yeah. Um, what is your I mean, I, I assume your opinion is just that, like, he was completely like two time Academy Award
1: winner, Christoph Waltz. Is it this? <laughs> well, I. When I first started watching this, I couldn't remember when. Uh, Inglorious Bastards came out because that was the first time I came that out. I in, really, I think that was oh, are there oh eight or oh nine? It, it was oh nine. I just checked. Um, so he'd already yes. won one. Yeah, and that was really the first time that I'd ever heard of him. Um, and so, and this was actually his his next movie after that. Oh, okay. Um, and so he followed up that, which I I have um, my own critical thoughts and maybe uh, maybe unpopular opinions when it comes to Inglorious Bastards, but I will say that Christoph Waltz is very good in that movie. Um, but for him to go in from, from that movie to this is really disappointing because I don't think they really do enough with his character in this like it's the 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 the, the whole joke of like is he scary is like it's somewhat humorous. The is that sort of like
0: I don't know if is it supposed to be funny because like having just seen him play a scary villain in his prior movie they'd be like oh well he can be scary but he's not scary in this movie
1: maybe the the other thing was that I found just annoying and very very stupid and and somewhat offensive was just the continued joke of his name it's like oh yes He's so funny because he has an Eastern European name. Ha, isn't that funny? Uh-huh. And maybe I'm just, you know, being sensitive because, you know, our uh, parents are of Eastern European descent. But it's like, really, that's that's the, the running joke you're going to use for this character. Um, I don't know. Just Christoph Waltz, like, can be such a an intimidating character, but also really funny. Like there are times when I've seen him. Um, yeah. When re- he did the clash of clans
0: commercial with, uh, James Corden. That happened. Oh, you got, uh, you got to look up Christoph Waltz, lava pup. <laughs> you, you watch it sentence. after, watch, watch it after the podcast.
1: That is a sentence I never thought I'd hear. Um, no, I, but I think Kristoff Waltz is a, an incredibly talented actor. I think he's really good at being a villain, but I think he's also really good at comedy. And I feel like in this, he's, the script does does not give him anything. He's, he's not able to do either. He just kind of muddles around. Um, I mean, is that, yeah. I mean, what, what were your takes? Or what was your take on, on Shavnowski? Uh,
0: yeah, I mean, he's not, I mean, I guess the joke is he's not an intimidating villain. Um, Yeah, he's just sort of a nothing character. Uh, He also dies a really brutal way where he gets, like, stabbed with two chair legs in the eyes. Yeah, that was... I was like, how'd they get away with this? I mean, there's no... Granted, there's, like, no blood, but still, like,
1: wow, I'm surprised they got away with that. Yeah, that was unnecessarily violent, and I I don't know why they did that.
0: Yeah. Um... Also, they never really explain why he has this gigantic gun with two barrels.
1: Yeah, that was odd. Um, but yeah, he, he he was
0: just one of those, act, like again, uh, David Harbour and him and Edward James Almos were all these act, and Tom Wilkinson were all just Aaron these actors. Yeah, but I'm just, no, I was talking about actors who I forgot were in this movie.
1: Oh, okay, okay. So I was just like, yeah.
0: wow, I didn't know these were these people were in this movie. Um and they're all uh pretty much wasted. Um there's also the brief cameo by uh James Franco in the beginning.
1: Yeah, you know, I figured there had to be one somewhere. I usually um, I was like, I didn't I re- I don't remember this scene. I mean I guess that's yeah. a, a bad thing for the movie, but <laughs> I I figured it was going to happen at, at some point. I was surprised because right, you know he died so quickly. Right. Um. Yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned Tom Wilkinson as uh and, and another father. you
0: know Academy Award nominee uh, actor or my one. More, I don't know. Yeah, but definitely like um other people who haven't seen some of his other movies would would best know him as Falcone from Batman Begins, but he's also been in movies like Michael Clayton. So that's the movie I'm thinking that he think he got
1: nominated for an Oscar. He's been nominated for two Oscars. Yeah. And he won a primetime Emmy. Oh really? Yeah. He played Benjamin Franklin and John Adams. Oh, okay. I know the miniseries. I didn't know he was in it.
0: Okay, cool. Um, Tom, you, you, the fire agent. If or, <laughs> or maybe you have a different agent. Uh, I don't know. Don't do don't do Seth Rogen movies anymore. Yeah, um, but just uh, looking, I said like I didn't remember those aspects of the movie. Um, I, I assume that a lot of people don't remember this movie
1: uh yeah I mean, it was also
0: I, not the only green superhero movie that came out this year because then green lantern also come out in 2011 did it i think so um here's i'll check it out yeah i believe yeah, green lantern came out in 2011 so everyone might have like mixed it up with green lantern and the only reason why people remember green lantern is because it keeps becoming a running joke in the deadpool series
1: yeah okay you're right that one did come out the same
0: year yeah uh which I can watch on HBO Max. <laughs> there you go. Along with the four hour Snyder cut.
1: Oh gosh. Um but to go to your point about if people forgot about this movie, uh I forgot about this movie. So I, I mean <laughs>
0: Do you think there's some, apparently they're they're gonna remake not remake, but make another Green Hornet movie they're they're trying to. Um which is one of the reasons Actually, I wanted to pick this movie before then, but I saw later that they're uh, developing a reboot. Uh, it's supposed to be called Green Hornet and Kato, or whatever. So I know mm-hmm. Kato has a pro- more prominently featured in the title, obviously. Um, I don't know you think you think there's anything interesting like about the Green Hornet character that could be further explored you know again two of us you know didn't grow up in the 30s or the 60s you know (laughs) listening watching green hornet but you think uh you think there's something there or you think like the superheroes landscape is just so like ginormous right now that there might just not be any room for the green hornet
1: um i mean i think there's there's always room if you're willing to do something um, different or if you're willing to, you know, really do your research and try to get a, a you know, your pulse on the audience or get, get the audience's pulse to know what people are wanting. Um, but if it just is like, hey, we have this. Um, the rights of this character right. We have the rights to this character let's just use it because we, we should, or we're going to lose it. Then I don't know. I, I, I think that I, the, 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 one thing that this character might have going for it more than, um, some other superhero properties right now. Um, and this is kind of a somewhat silly point, uh, is, is how much the car is focused. um, no, I think, I mean, the car is iconic. Yeah, but you you, you don't really see that outside of, um, you know, like the Batmobile. Like there aren't many superhero cars. Right, um, yeah.
0: Um, Lee, there is Ghost Rider. The, the version that was on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. had a car, but it's usually a motorcycle.
1: Right. And so I think it could work, but they would need to make it. And of course, Spider-Man's car. Yeah, of course. Um, no, if, if they were going the to... The Thanos copter. Oh <laughs> my goodness. They would need to make it almost more like Fast and Furious-esque, I, I think, if, if they wanted to work. Um, I mean, those are essentially superhero movie, movies. It's like superheroes in cars or, or superheroic cars. Like that, same thing. Um, right. But I, I think that aspect is is interesting um, and the partnership is also interesting cause you don't, um, well, as I say, you don't see that, but you, you do see a lot of that still. Um, so I, I think it's, it's, it's worth trying again if they feel confident in the script, but if they're just trying to just throw their hat into the ring of superhero films, then it's just going to just, it's just going to die. You
0: don't think there's enough motivation like, you can do it better than the first one. Like it's like it's like Max Lord. Life is good, but it could be better. Oh gosh, um, I'm just I'm just mo-
1: referencing all the movies today. I mean that that movie could be better also. <laughs> um, I mean they could, but I the the part of the problem is that I don't know how beloved this character is. Like you mentioned that the Green Hornet has. A very long history because of the the radio drama and um, the the TV series and there was apparently mm-hmm. some movie serials as well. Yeah. Um, and so th- you know that is a it's a somewhat popular. I don't think the TV series actually lasted that long, but it, it, it didn't.
0: It didn't, but I, I I think most people just remember
1: that Bruce Lee was in it as Cato. Right. And, and so I I just don't think it's. I don't know how many people actually care about the green hornet anymore. And it's kind of the same issue with, you mentioned the Lone Ranger being like the other big, um, radio drama character, um, that, that stands to mind or comes to mind. And that movie also was terrible. Um, and so it's, Right. Um and no one was interested in it there, because there are a lot of these like care.
0: not DC not Marvel characters who they've tried to make movies out of that didn't really work like they made The Shadow and The Phantom and stuff like that they, right. they it just they didn't pan out uh maybe cuz they just I don't know. It, it, it does. It didn't work for some reason. I, I will right. say, um, watching this movie. So this movie came out. Uh, this is a post Iron Man one, and two. Post Iron Man one and two, post uh Dark Knight, but pre Avengers. This came out before the first Avengers, um, superhero movie. I think this. Is, I think when this came out, there were only three MCU movies, uh, the two Iron Mans and an Incredible Hulk.
1: Yeah. Thor came out later this year. Yeah.
0: I mean, they were teasing Thor at the end of Iron Man uh, 2, but didn't come out yet. Um, so like what, what does, what does this movie say about like the state of superhero movies at that point in time, if anything?
1: I, I think it says that it was in flux, that it there right. was not really a, a set. I mean, I I, understanding. I I
0: don't see a lot of Iron Man or uh, the Dark Knight. Um, in this movie. Mm. Uh, or like if you think about like other like influential, I don't know, influential, sort of. I mean, there was a lot of like darker stuff coming out at the time. Uh, Incredible Hulk is definitely one of the darker marvel cinematic movies uh dark knight obviously is pretty dark um watchmen came out uh in 09 but like the, mm. n- none of those seem to have any influence on a movie like the green Hornet. no and and that's
1: and, why and, I it I really almost... seems
0: to be its own thing somehow um it mm. maybe it, it kind of has a mid a mid or even early aughts to it
1: it yeah like i would like, agree with like that. a daredevil or something like that yeah i i think the probably the biggest thing though is because seth is involved it feels much more similar to one of his um buddy comedy movies i like than pineapple it does t- express yeah, it, it's it's much more similar to a Pineapple Express than it is to any which I remember liking, but I, I, this movie's not. It's I think this movie is a buddy comedy first, a superhero film second, and I I don't think that's a like the bad thing. Like I think you can make that work. I just think it doesn't in this case. And to to go to your point about you know where it like how it fits in with that time period like you you mentioned like this same year that thor came out but it's also the same year that green lantern came out so the mcu was still kind of getting its footing and dc still really had no idea what it was going to do outside of letting christopher nolan do his thing with the dark knight trilogy and i mean arguably dc still doesn't know what it's doing um but we've seen since this movie that you can take characters that are not well-known and you can make them popular. Um, I mean, obviously, the Green, like we said, the Green Hornet has a, a long history, um, but is not super well-known. That you look at a char- characters that don't have such a long history, like the Guardians of the Galaxy, who were not well-known, and they had a comedy superhero film that was super successful and is beloved and is, you know, one of the best superhero movies of the last 20 years. Uh, if just one of the best super movies ever. And, you know, th- there is a way to make comedy, I mean, it's not Batman super- forever,
0: but I mean, okay.
1: Well, the, you, there's a way to make comedy and superhero movies work outside of just, you know, just every film needs, you know, not every film, but most films need some levity here and there. Um, but if you really want to make it a purely comedic movie, um, that can work. But this doesn't. Just on almost every level.
0: <laughs> uh, the, I, I, I think that's a good way to close it. I, I will promise you, I promise you um, and I promise Josh that the next movie we're doing, it's been a long time since I've seen it, but I can pretty—I'm ninety-five percent confident it is much better than this this movie. So, I'm gonna hold you to that
1: because okay. I have no idea what it is yet.
0: Okay, I'll tell you. I'll, I'll tell you once we're done recording. Um, sure. So, uh, Josh, uh, any closing thoughts? Uh, is there? anything you're working on that's coming up or just anything you want to say to the fine people listening to this
1: uh um, or
0: should i not assume they're fine they're all terrible people like Britt reed
1: <laughs> if you're listening to this podcast i'm sure you're a wonderful person um i don't have anything major uh, at the moment but i did just record my monthly podcast with um, Bill and Alex, uh, as you mentioned, Alex now has his new uh, title and role as podcast editor. Um, we did our our monthly TV break where we talked about our um, favorite shows of the month, um, some news, um, and we talked about the um, NBC sitcom Mr. Mayor, um, which was something I also hated. So I was going to
0: say, oh, this was not a good month for Josh.
1: <laughs> you know, it's just the month for me to. Hate things. Uh, happy 2021, everyone. Um, <laughs> gosh. Um, yeah. So that's that's about it. Um, if people want to find my work, it's on the pop break, um, as well as, um, on Twitter at Josh Sronicky. Uh, but definitely make sure to check out all of our podcasts. Um, I know, like we mentioned, Alex is now the uh, podcast editor, and he's got a lot of big plans in the works, and we've got, um, a lot of uh, podcast to listen to already so um hopefully you'll find something in there that is uh more enjoyable to watch than uh the green hornet um aaron what about you any any closing thoughts or um anything in the the pipeline for you
0: uh i mean i think it's always sort of fun just to take a, a look back at you know you know uh, i mean obviously if some movies were we've talked about were made before we were born but just take a test a step back of like ah so this was 2011 when this movie came out um as far as things i'm going to be working on my hope is to have um a tv review and a movie review out sometime in february uh so look out for those uh I won't say where they are right now because in case they don't happen then you don't have to hold me to it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh but yeah uh thank you for listening to our podcast and hope you have a great day. Josh, uh you want to say one of your cheesy uh ending lines to finish the podcast?
1: Uh sure. Yeah. Uh hope everyone has a great rest of their day and remember what happens when you corner a hornet. Nothing cuz you didn't watch the movie cuz it sucks.